1: Hey friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministry. Our website is lonesomeroad.org or you can
2: call us at 618-383-2107. That's my partner Fred Mooney. And I am so excited about being here with you.
1: Yeah, we're going to enjoy this ride today with our friends and family out there on that old Lonesome Road. We got some great music on our program today. And we have personal testimonies. And maybe just a little bit of preaching.
2: All right. And thy words shall be a witness unto you today. So buckle up, relax, and hold on tight because here we
1: go. Church on the road, right here on your favorite radio station. Now, it don't matter
0: where I'm going.
1: Hey guys, we're going to get today's program started off with James Payne, Honky Tonk Salvation off of Lonesome Road, Volume 3. Here's James Payne.
3: Well, I didn't go to church. I never been to Sunday school. I was raised in a bar room. Cut my teeth on a hundred proof I was a member of Beer Drinkers Association Till one night at closing time Got a barroom education The bartender was my preacher The barstool was my pew He said, boy, you won't find the answer in the bottom of that food He wasn't holding a Bible but He had a revelation He took my hand and he prayed me through To a honky-tonk salvation on cross last call for soldiers given for everyone that's lost behind swinging doors there's some good old boys that make up the congregation the bar is now a church where i found honky-tonk salvation the bartender was my preacher The bar stool was my pew He said, boy, you won't find the answer In the bottom of that booth He wasn't holding a Bible But he had a revelation He took my hand and he prayed me through To a honky-tonk salvation He took my hand and he prayed me through
2: a honky-tonk salvation. I'm glad to be here with you, Gary and Ed, and we're going to get in the cab and head down the road, aren't we?
1: That's right, that's right. we got a a real truck driver with us today, Fred. Well, I don't know about a real one, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ed, you've been driving for a long time, haven't you? 37 years. Yeah. Ed Foley is uh, our, our guest today, and he, where do you live at, Ed? I live
4: south of Keynes, Illinois. I always tell everybody, I live in the suburbs of Keynes.
1: There you go. Well, you're in, Keen, you're in downtown Keynes, I'm in right? downtown Keynes today.
2: <laughs> Garden spot of the world.
1: Uh, right here at Lonesome yeah. Road Radio. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, tell us all about Ed Foley. I was born and raised
4: in Fairfield. Grew up here my whole life. Haven't never left, probably won't never leave. Yeah, probably be here forever. I'd like to leave someday, but probably not, depending on what the Lord does or where He might send me. I just want to obey Him and do whatever He says. Amen. It's the only peace and joy I've ever found in life, Gary.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, you grew up in uh, Fairfield, you say? Yeah, okay. You went to school in Fairfield yep. and graduated over there. and Graduated. Graduated, yeah. <laughs> that's a Southern Illinois word. <laughs>
4: yeah, now I'm getting ready to be a college instructor. I told my wife, I said, who'd ever thought it? Yeah. You know.
1: College instructor. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for just a minute. That's, a, that's an inter, interesting deal because uh, I asked you to come in and do an interview, and now you're getting ready to be a college instructor for... Their truck driving training course. There you go. Truck driving yep. training course. Yep. So you're going to be meeting a lot of brand new truck drivers and, yep. and teaching them... The, the Hopefully the right way. The right way to do things out <laughs> on that old lonesome road. <laughs> uh, so. You didn't
2: go to school to drive a truck, did you, Gary?
1: No, I didn't. No, I, I, I went to the old school. <laughs> Me I, too. Yeah, you you did too, didn't you? Yeah, I worked in the oil patch uh, my senior
4: year in high school until 86, and then when the oil patch crashed, I went to driving the truck and been driving ever since. Amen. It's <laughs> the only thing I knew how to do, so. Yeah. All right. Must have been what the Lord wanted, I guess.
1: I hear you. I hear you. Well, did you grow up in church, Ed? I did not. All right. Well, tell us about your growing up years. We lived on a farm and had
4: good parents. Good parents. My mom was divorced. She married my dad. I think I was six years old. I guess it was. And my real dad, he was a truck driver. He had driven all all his life over the road too, and. And uh, But he wasn't ever around, and when he left, we was blessed, and the Lord sent Dad along, and he married Mom, and Dad adopted us and gave us his name, loved us, cared for us. But, you know, even at all that, I think just the thought of my biological dad and what he done and all that, I had so many years of hate and anger yeah. bottled up inside me that you know, I just, I hated about everything and everybody. And of course, when you're like that, you're a good candidate to get into the drugs and alcohol, which I did. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, my my idea of a good Friday and Saturday night used to be go out and get drunk, let's get in a fight, and it was a good night, <laughs> you know. And kind of continued on like that for, I don't know, several years, I guess. And finally, when I was in when i was 28 i was in the sims tavern one night and that used to be a place that unless you like to drink and fight you just didn't go there
1: yeah well
4: i liked both so i went there yeah you know and and uh ended up in a bar fight that night and in fact got in a fight with a guy that was kind of a friend of mine yeah didn't really have anything against him he just you know it, it's how things go when you're drinking and doping and all that, and of course, by that time I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and uh, ended up shooting the man. Oh wow! Shot him three fifty-seven hollow points. Had to be a god thing because that bullet went up the side of his cheek. Took his ear off on the way by. Had that bullet hit that cheekbone, it would have took the side of his head out, and it would all been over. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know it at the time or realized it at the time, but looking back on it, I think that was truly a God thing that that man wasn't killed that night. Yeah. And it was a bad deal, but you know, out of every bad, God knows how to bring good.
1: Amen. That's true.
4: You know, and I ended up in the county jail, didn't know what I'd done, who I'd done it to. My mom come in the next day. She was the first one to see that i seen. I had to ask her what I'd done. I had no idea. She said, well, you shot a man last night, son. And I said, well, is he dead? She said, no, he's in St. Louis. They're doing reconstructive surgery on his face, putting it back together. And so there I sat in the county jail, and I was there, I think, about three weeks. And all these preachers started coming by to see me.
1: Yeah.
4: Now, we did go to church a little bit when I was a kid. I remember we was going to the First Baptist there in Fairfield, and my dad and my mom and my older brother got saved, and God was dealing with me about every Sunday, but I wasn't having no part of it. We got out of church, and so I never did end up getting saved, but I guess God hadn't forgot about me because (laughs) all these preachers kept coming by. I've known since I was 13 years old what the Lord wanted out of me, and this sounds crazy, and... You can believe it if you want to, and if you don't, that's fine, too. It doesn't matter to me. Right. But I had a dream one night. I was about 13 years old. I don't know if I was awake. It was a dream. I, I don't know. All I know was there was somebody sitting on the edge of my bed with his back to me. Couldn't see his face, and I'm assuming it was Jesus because he told me two things. He said, I want you to be saved, and I want you to preach. Wow. And from that time on, I ran even harder. Well, when he had me hemmed up in that county jail and all these preachers coming by to see me, finally the one that ended up coming by that ended up being my pastor was Troy Shook. Yeah, yeah, I know Troy. And at the time they had the old jail then, and they had me in a cell there that didn't have any windows, just had a steel door, and one window in the door was all it had, and I'll never forget, he walked up to the door and he said, are you Ed Foley? i said i am and he said well i'll tell you right now i don't want to be here and i thought well that's all right i don't want you here anyway he said but your older brother goes to my church and he said he wanted me to stop by and see you and he said you know, you think you're pretty tough and you think you're pretty mean but if you don't get saved you're going to die and go to hell and if you decide you want to get saved he said here's this track and it was a little track called god's simple plan to salvation But this time, I was so mad, I couldn't see straight. You know, and I was thinking, buddy, if these bars wasn't in between me and you. (laughs) And he turned around, and he walked out, and there I sat. And I sat down on the edge of the bunk there, and I mulled it over for a little bit, and I was mad, and I took a look at the track, and I looked at it again. And I sat there, and I read through it. And I heard the Lord speak, just like we're sitting here today. Wow and I'll never forget the words he said, and it was these. It's now or never, you decide. And I got on my knees in that jail cell and I asked Jesus to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I've done about every drug that there is to do. And I've never experienced any, I wish somebody had been there to tell me whether my feet was even on the ground (laughs) or not. I don't know, I mean, it just felt like I was floating. I'd never experienced anything like that before in my life and it my whole world just instantly changed in that minute and i was in there for three weeks i was in there for 21 days and i lost 21 pounds in that 21 days because the food was just terrible and i got out and we didn't go to church the first sunday but second sunday i told my wife i said i want to go to church she said where do you want to go to church and i said well I guess we'll go out to that Troy Shooks church. We'll try it out. That church took us in. They loved us, was there for us. Troy was there by my side the whole time. If you've seen one of us, you've seen the other one. From the time that I got out on bond till the time I went into prison, and, you know, the whole time I was in prison, that church roped me. They came and seen me, you know, visited me, and they just... I had good support getting started out, and that's something a lot of people don't have. You know We get people in, we get them saved and and well, do the best you can, you know, pat them on the back, and we don't disciple them or anything else. But that church did me and my family. you know yeah. one of the things that the church did gary, that i I'd never forgotten till this day, is when I went into prison. The judge sentenced me on Thursday and told me to turn myself in on Monday morning. And so my wife and I, we was getting ready for church that Sunday and we was talking about, you know, tithing, giving our money. And I told her, she said, Well, you know, me and the kids are gonna need every dime we can get while you're gone. And I said, I know. But I think we need to. And so come Monday morning, Troy come, he was the one picked me up, took me over to jail. I didn't want my wife doing it when I turned myself in then they came tuesday troy and the deacons came over to the house and they told denise said uh, give us your payment book said we're going to make your house payments while ed's gone wow you know tell us who your insurance carrier is we're going to pay your insurance for you while he's gone and here's 500 dollars in case you and the kids need something <laughs> you
1: know, how many churches would do that amen amen that's so, awesome It is awesome. Yeah.
4: So we went out there, and that's where we went the whole time that I was in, or out on bond, I guess. I got saved in January. They licensed me to preach in March of that year. And everybody said, oh, he's just doing this to get out of trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, you let him get some jail time, he'll not be preaching. He'll not be serving God. He'll be back at the tavern. You know what, that's 30 years ago, and I still ain't been back to the tavern, and I ain't going.
2: <laughs> well, praise the Lord.
4: Amen. The thing about it is, you know, people don't understand. If you truly meet Jesus, you'll not get over him. You just you just don't. That's right. He does something inside you. I mean, I don't know all there is to know about salvation or even understand all that, how somebody could go to the cross, die for me. I'm not worth it. I know I'm not worth it, but apparently he loved me enough and seen enough in me. You know, I don't, I don't understand that. But one thing I do understand, if you meet him, you'll not get over it. And I did time over the deal. I did four years over it. And, and uh, out of that four years, I had to do a year and a half, I guess. And I preached all the way through prison.
1: Yeah.
4: When I was in receiving up at Graham Correctional Center, they had us in a two-man cell. It was 6 eight cell. And every night, I'd have Bible study. And it started out, there was probably three or four. And before, the, before I left receiving up there, the cell would be people on top of each other, standing out in the hallways. And I got to see a lot of people get saved. Yeah. You know, give their hearts to Jesus. And, and uh, so I preached all the way through prison. And when I got out, and I, I've been preaching ever since, and I ain't got no plans on quitting now. I had people still out there saying, well, I know he'd probably be back one of these days. He'll be back to the tavern.
1: No, I won't. Yeah. No. The only way you're going to be back to the tavern is if you have to go back and pull somebody out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Pull
4: somebody out of there or or preach or something, but other than that, I'm not
1: going back. I've got no
4: desire for that kind of lifestyle.
1: I hear you. I hear you, brother. You know, Jesus just takes all that away. So you started preaching right away after you got saved. I did. Yeah. And you, and you become uh, a preacher in prison mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember uh, years ago you came down and give your testimony at uh, Carmi when I was down there, and you talked about preaching to cows.
4: I preached to horses, and when I was <laughs> horses, in the, that's that's was. <laughs> right, when I was in work release, I ended up in work release when I was in prison. And that and was a God thing too, because I worked for a guy. His name was Tom Stitt. And him and his wife, Beverly, was professors at SIU there in, in Carbondale. But they was good Christian people. And Tom was a super good guy, and, and he'd give me a list every morning. The Work release Center dropped drop me off out there. And uh, they'd come back and get me in the evening. But Tom would give me this list, and he'd say, now, you're not going to get all this done today, but that's okay. I'd have it all done by noon. Well, I had my Bible with me, so there wasn't nothing left to do the rest of the day. I'd set up on a bale of hay and read the Word, and the horses was all stalled up, and they was kind of a captive audience, and so I'd just preach to them. <laughs> That's
1: pretty good training, isn't it?
4: Well, I think one of them might have got saved once. I heard him nay anyhow. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> it was either getting saved or an amen. Amen.
4: <laughs> it might have been an amen, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, prison wasn't... The Lord blessed me all the way through it. I got to the whole time I was in prison, I mean how many people in a year and a half time has the time to be able to read your Bible front to back seven times? Wow yeah. you know and I got to see God do some some amazing things yeah. during that time. You know there was a time I work released still and, and uh, there was a guy he's an older guy he's retired. He lived on Lake Egypt down mm. there. And I would really been seeking the gifts. You know, if they're real, I want to know. If they're real, I want them. Yeah. You know, I want all God's got to offer, all he's got to give.
1: Amen on that. I want and everything that God has for you me. Bet you betcha. Mm-hmm.
4: And he needed somebody to mow his yard. And it was hot. It was probably 90 degrees that day. I don't know. And he lived right there on the lake. And uh, I'd been mowing. And it was getting along in the afternoon and finally I said and I asked him I said sir I said you care if I get a glass of water I'm thirsty he said no I don't care at all he said in fact come on in cool down a little bit and have your glass of water well when I walked in I noticed this little boy sitting in a high chair and this little boy's probably six five six years old something like that and I thought why is he sitting in that high chair he's too big for that. And I heard the Lord speak and he said, I I want you to pray for that little boy. And I said, Lord, I don't know these people. (laughs) Lord said, I want you to lay hands on him and I want you to pray for him. So I asked the guy, I said, sir, I know you don't really know me. And I said, this may sound kind of crazy, but I said, can I pray for that child? Yeah, go ahead. He said, I don't care. So I did. And it was just kind of one of them quick God breathed prayers. And out the door I went and and uh, later that evening, they brought this little boy out. We were sitting there on the deck waiting on the work release center to get back, get there to pick me up. And uh, they brought this little boy out, and they sat him there in the middle of the deck. And I am like, why are they toting him around for? Anyway, he was sitting there, and all of a sudden he gets up, and he takes off walking, running across the deck. And the grandparents are going wild. Oh, Jojo's such a determined little boy. I knew Jojo could do it and all that. I didn't know at the time that the kid couldn't get up and take off walking on his own. He had to have help. <laughs> oh wow. I got to see God touch him and heal him, and I was so blown away by what I was seeing that I didn't, I didn't, I should have told him. And if I had to do it over
1: again, I would have known. You just seen the hand of God touching what you seen. Oh wow! I'll tell you, Ed. There's nothing like when you see Jesus' healing hands working through you. He used you to touch that boy and to heal that boy. I mean, there's nothing like that. You, you can't learn that. You can't teach that in seminary. G- God was your instructor, and he was, he was using you and preparing you for the ministry that he was calling you into. Friends, listen to this song by James Payne, The Healing Hands of Jesus, and then we'll be back with Ed Foley here in about three minutes.
3: By the sea of Galilee Broken humanity Sat waiting For Jesus to pass by The blind who could not see The crippled and diseased Cried out For one touch from his hands Cause just one touch from The healing hands of Jesus And sickness has to flee There's no impossibilities Miracles take place Reach out by faith for just one touch from the healing hands of Jesus. Those hands. That day at Calvary They can take away your pain And make you whole again And all it takes Is just one touch from those hands Cause just one touch from the heat And sickness has to flee There's no impossibilities Miracles take place When you reach out by faith For just one touch from The healing hands of Jesus Just one touch Sickness has to flee There's no impossibilities Miracles take place When you reach out by faith For just one touch from the heat
4: I've had people ask me, where you go to seminary at? And I said, I went to Penn State. Penn State. <laughs> I said, well, I didn't know Penn State had a seminary. And I said, they don't. The Illinois State Penn does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's where I did, did my seminary, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, but you learned a lot, though, didn't you? I learned a lot. Yeah. I did. In that year and a half time, I learned a bunch. And, and your instructor was? God Almighty.
1: There you go. <laughs> you know, no.
4: that that kinda when I got out of prison I wanted to go to seminary. But no matter how bad I, I tried to make it work or force it to go, it just I couldn't make it happen. And finally one day, remember this remember the verse where Jesus says, You have not need that any man teach you, the Holy Spirit to teach you all things. Amen. And I thought, Okay, Lord, I got it.
1: Yeah. And he's been teaching me ever since. Yeah. There's no better instructor than, than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God Almighty. It's one of the exciting
4: things about God is God never gets old and never gets dull. And, you know, every time I read the Word of God, and I don't know how many times I've read it over the years, but I see something new all the time. It's alive, it's quick, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword.
1: Amen. It's Amen. exciting. It is. People don't know
4: what they're missing out on when they don't have Jesus.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the amazing thing about the Word of God. It is alive, it's active. It is. It's sharper than a two edged sword. It is. It cuts both ways. Yep. You can read a, a verse one time and it means something. I mean, it just speaks to you yep. and it means something. And you can read that same verse later on, months later, and it says something completely different. Yep. It because does. Because it's alive and it's active.
4: Mm hmm. I think that that's just one of the neat things about God. There's so many neat things about God, and you know, I just I remember when I first got out of prison, I had people tell me, "You're too excited about all this. <laughs> you need to calm down a little bit." And I said, "No, I don't need to calm down. I don't think so." Yeah, and God didn't call me to calm down. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: I think that may be the problem. Some folks are so calm they're almost dead.
1: That's right. That's right. Amen. So uh, you have pastored, you started pastoring uh, after you got saved. I did. Where did you start pastoring at?
4: Temple Baptist Church at McLeansboro was my first pastor. in... What year was that? 94. 94. Because they ordained me in 95 down there. I was there a year and a half. Then I went and I pastored uh, New Life Baptist Church in Blueford. Mm-hmm. Kind of interim. They just needed somebody to preach, and yeah. So I I did that for about a year and a half, Then I pastored King's Baptist Church down here. I remember that. Yeah, for about a year and a half. It seemed to be a pattern there. About a year and a half.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if I understand you correctly, the moment you got saved, you lost all desire for alcohol and drugs. Is that Immediately.
4: Correct? Yeah.
2: Immediately. You didn't go through a twelve-step program. Nope. You went through a one-step program, right? Yep,
4: one-step. And, you know, the funny thing about that is, too, when I was in work release, one of the things they do is they force you to go to counseling. And they take you to counseling, I don't know, it was two or three nights a week, I guess. And our first night there, we walked in, and there's this scrawny lady in there, and she's got long black hair, and, and uh, she says, uh, okay, everybody sit down and... and uh, introduce yourself so we all did that and she said now she said the first thing you've got to understand is and you need to admit this if you're ever going to come to terms with it Mm -hmm. is you will always be a drug addict and an alcoholic well I raised my hand (laughs) (laughs) she said yes Mr. Foley I said ma'am I respectfully disagree with you Amen. she said well what do you mean you disagree with me and I and I said because I got saved, and the day I met Jesus, and he came into my heart, I said, he set me free. I'm not in recovery. I'm healed. Amen. There's no recovery to that. And she basically told the guys, oh, don't, don't listen to him. And I said, what I'm telling you is the truth. When you meet Jesus, he will set you free. Amen. The Bible says, Jesus said himself, he will set you free, and you are free indeed. I said, the problem is, I said, you're not giving these guys any hope. I mean, what hope is there in that? You're telling somebody you're always going to be an alcoholic, you're always going to be a drug addict, you ain't never going to get no better. Mm. No. With Jesus, you will get better.
2: Amen. Oh, I, I agree with you 100%, Ed. The same thing happened to Gary. The same thing happened to me. Mm-hmm. That, that happened to you. And uh, I had a girl in, in my Sunday school class one time. She uh, had to go into rehab, and I was looking for rehab. And the first thing they told her when she went to rehab is uh, there were 20 in the class, and they said 14 of you will be right back here in six months.
4: That's real encouraging, isn't it?
2: (laughs) If you tell somebody they're going to fail.
4: They're going to fail.
2: They're going to fail. You've got to give them hope, and only hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ.
4: Amen. Well, the funny part was this lady, she said, well, I'm a Christian. I said, is that right? And she said, yeah, I'm a Lutheran. And I said, well, you know what? That may be, but apparently you don't know the same Jesus I know. And this went on for, I don't remember how many weeks that class was, eight, ten, something like that. And I think she was glad to see me go. <laughs> I believe so. You know, because I'd speak up. I just and no, guys, she's not telling you right. You
2: know, yeah. that's not right. But you stop and think about this now. I've been dry since June of nineteen seventy four. How long you been dry, Gary?
1: August thirteenth, nineteen ninety five.
2: And how long you been dry, Ed? Uh, since January sixteenth, nineteen ninety two. Yeah. Now, truckers, if you're listening to that, that, that combined, that's probably close to a hundred years, isn't it?
3: Uh.
1: Getting close. <laughs> get close, yeah.
2: Think about that. We're, we're not, not mathematicians. <laughs> we got. <we're laughs> let me. Let me I, have, I don't have a pencil.
1: I can't cipher. <laughs> okay.
2: Well, we got three guys here that's all been delivered from from alcohol and two from alcohol and drugs. And we got proof. We got proof here. And if you're a trucker and you're rolling down the road and you got problem with alcohol and drugs, you need to got, get right with Jesus. That's right. Plain and simple.
4: Pull and that we truck got, over We got to the scientific
2: side. proof right here at Lonesome Road Ministries, downtown Kings, Illinois, garden spot of the world. <laughs> tell you right now that Jesus saves.
4: Amen. Yeah, and you don't have to be in church. That's I mean, right. I
1: got saved in a jail cell. I got saved driving down the road in a semi truck. There you go. I mean,
4: I got
2: saved on an aircraft carrier.
4: So
1: there you go. You know? <laughs>
4: That's a good thing about Jesus. He'll meet you any place, any time, anywhere.
1: And and the cool part about it is once you get saved, you can't wait to get in church.
4: That's right. <laughs> That's right. I remember after I got saved, one of the first things that, and like I said, I didn't know much about it, but I knew you were supposed to be baptized. I wanted baptized. I I agree. I did too. You know, I wanted to follow the ordinances of the Lord. Yeah. You know?
1: I wanted to find out all about this man called Jesus yep. that had just come into my heart. Yep, me too. And it has been quite a ride.
4: <laughs> I've never quit finding out about him. I'm Thirty years later, and I still find out about him every day, and you know, still experience him every day. And he's still got a lot more for me that I ain't learned yet, and I don't know. But we'll get to it as the time goes on.
1: Amen. Yeah,
4: he is the master teacher.
1: He is. I remember the first time I met you, Ed, was in uh, the Wayne City Baptist Church. It was in 1995. You come to give your testimony, and they asked me to come and give my testimony the same night. Yeah. And uh, mine was uh, pretty short that night, I, I remember, <laughs> because I just got saved, and my testimony was just my salvation experience. Yeah. But your testimony is so much more. Your testimony is living just like the Word. That's right. And it's it's... It continues yep. throughout your whole life. So you got saved in a jail cell, started pastoring, and God is bringing you to a, a truck driving school to be the instructor. So you're going to be able to bring the Word of God into the lives of a lot of young. You got a brand new congregation coming <laughs> at you. <laughs> well, I take what God gives me. There you go. So you're uh, you're not pastoring right now because. No. No. God is getting ready to let you pastor this new congregation of truck drivers. yep. yep. they don't even know that you're going to be their pastor yet. Not yet, they don't.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: oh. I am looking forward to it and excited about it. It's kind of a new thing, and, you know, if I can help somebody else out along the way, then so be it. There
1: you go. But that's, that's, that's what you want. You just want to be right where God wants you to be. Absolutely. Whether it's pastoring a church. Preaching around the area or teaching young people? Yep. Whatever God wants is
4: okay with me because you know what? He ain't never led me nowhere bad. That's right. That he didn't do something great out of. Yeah. So I've got no complaints in 30 years. I'm still here, so God's got a reason and a purpose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, if that when you shot that guy into Sims Tavern, if that bullet would have moved over just a little bit. Less would, than an eighth of an inch and he would have, have never a got out then. of prison. Probably not. Yeah.
4: Probably so not.
1: God's hands is always at work in our lives. Yeah. And if we will just trust him and let him lead us. You know, one of the neat things about that is the the
4: guy that was the state's attorney at the time Yeah, is, is Barry Vaughn. And Barry's an appellate judge now. Right. And he's my friend. I like Barry. But I'll never forget after I got out, I'd been out for a little while. We was having a little bit of trouble with my son at the time. And Barry was in private practice then. Yeah. And so I went to see him, and and, uh, he took care of it. And, you know, I just kind of – and I thanked him. You know, it wasn't – you know, a lot of people get mad at the court systems or whatever for – them having to do time, but you know what? I did that to myself. Yeah. It, 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 nobody caused that but me. You know why should I have hard feelings over all that? Right. You know he was he had a job to do and he did it. And you know Barry's a good man. I think a lot of him yet to this day.
1: There you go. So,
4: what a
2: healthy attitude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, so um, are you still driving today, Ed, or what? What? What kind of occupation are you besides? Uh, Pastor, teacher? Mobile home mover. Mobile home mover, okay. No, that's
4: what we do for a living. You're still doing that? Yeah, we right. move mobile homes.
1: Okay, well, that, yeah. them things are hard to move around, I can tell you that. <laughs> I, I tried that once. Man, that's tough. Yeah. That's a that's a skilled job there.
4: It's getting to be a whole lot less of us, too. There's not a whole lot of guys want to hook on to a 16 by 80 house and
1: uh-huh.
4: take off with it. Yeah,
1: so you're still doing that?
4: Still doing it. Been oh. doing that for the last... 13 years now. So if you need a mobile home moved, call Ed phone. That's right, I'm your man. I'll move it for you. <laughs> if you just need to need to hear about Jesus or talk to somebody, you can call me about that too. All right, what's your phone number then, Ed? Give me your phone. 618
1: 895 4340. 4340. Yep. 618 895 4340. And that's your cell phone?
4: Yeah, and I've always got it on.
1: So they can even text you on that. I guess They could. Yeah, text or give him a call. He'd be glad to talk to you. Well,
4: having driven over the road, I drove over the road for a lot of years. And I know that there's temptation at every point and turn out there. You know, and a lot of people say, well, I can't help it when I'm tempted. Well, you know, God doesn't lead anybody into temptation. And he always makes a way of escape. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is always there. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 18:24, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. You know, he's always right there by our side. Bible says in Hebrews 13:5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And he won't. That is a promise out of the word of God. No matter where you're going, what road you're driving down, what city you're coming into, what countryside you're coming right into, Jesus will always be right there beside you. All you got to do is ask, Mm -hmm. and he's there.
3: Sometimes I feel like giving up. My back's against the wall, and I've had enough. Sins try to pull me back to yesterday, but I couldn't go back if I wanted to. There's a cross standing
0: my way
3: When I see the blood running down that rugged tree and I think about the price that Jesus paid for me I find the strength To walk this straight and narrow one more day I couldn't go back if I wanted to There's a cross standing in my way When my hopes and dreams come crashing down And I search for the answers But they can't be found I just steal away And begin to pray I tell old Satan I can't go back There's a cross standing in My way When I see the blood Running down that rugged tree And I think about the price That Jesus paid for couldn't go back if I wanted to There's a cross standing in my way And I couldn't go back if I wanted to There's a cross standing in my
1: If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then we never like to close any program without asking our listeners if they would like to pray and ask Jesus into their heart. So Ed, would you like to lead our listeners in a sinner's prayer?
4: I sure would. And yes. you know it's not think about it as God just wants you to speak from the heart. You know, people say, Well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to ask God and Anything I, I don't know how to ask Jesus come into my heart. It's pretty simple. You know God didn't make salvation hard. He made it simple. He made it hard for Jesus. He didn't make it hard for us. Amen. And so let's just pray. Yeah. Father, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. Lord, it's against you that I've broken your laws and your commandments. I've sinned against you. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. You shed your precious blood for me, Lord, to wash me white as snow. I don't deserve it, but, Lord, you're full of mercy and grace. And I pray, Father, you just come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Save me, Lord, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, Jesus will do it. Every time. Every time.
1: Every time.
3: of mine I haven't seen in some time Will stop by and ask me where I've been what's on my mind They wanna know why I'm not drinking Still painting this old town red I just tell them, I'm serving Jesus now and the old man is dead. The man you see before you, we may look a lot the same. We may wear the same. same old name, but you're looking on the outside, if you could see inside instead, you'd see a brand new man, cause the old man is dead. I used to live such a wicked life I had no hope inside I was lost in darkness just searching for a light then one night in a little church after hearing What the preacher said, I gave my life to Jesus. Now the old
2: Call at 618-383-2107. That's 618-383-2107. Call today. Or you can log on to our website, lonesomeroad.org.
1: We would love to hear from you. And that phone number that Fred gave you, you can also text me your mailing address. We'd love to get you on our mailing list and send you some of these every month out there on the road.
5: guard of heart inside a raging storm. The word is angered, because Satan has declared a war. I'll fight this battle, Lord, because you're worth fighting for. I pledge my undying love to you. You die. Me free. So I'm honored to struggle, Lord Cause even in my toughest battles You're worth fighting for yeah. There's sin inside my heart the battle's deep within, it's trying to control me, spirit and flesh at war. I'll take up the sword of truth because you're worth fighting for. I pledge my undying love to you. You died for me, though I live. set me free so I'm honored to struggle Lord cause even in my toughest battles you're worth fighting for Mm. it was by your stripes that I was healed For this mighty army You will build I'll fight this battle, Lord Cause you're worth fighting for I pledge my undying love me free, So I'm honored to struggle, Lord, cause even in my toughest battles, you're worth fighting for. You died for me, though I led such a shameful life, grace has set me free. So I'm honored to struggle, Lord, cause even in my toughest battles, you're worth fighting for.
2: pray for all the truckers out there, that God would put a hedge of protection around you, that you would be blessed and highly favored, wherever you go, that the protection of the Lord would go in front of you. If you've prayed this prayer, Lord, I accept you as my personal Savior, you have become a Christian, you've tucked him in his heart, and you can expect a huge change in your life. And if uh, you've got any questions or anything else, you've you've got this CD with Gary's number on it. You can give Gary a call. I hope all your trips are safe ones. And have a blessed day in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our phone number
1: is 618-383-2107. And we're going to end today's program like we end most of our programs. That's with my testimony in song that I wrote with the help of my songwriting partner, Tom Caldwell. And now we've got a new songwriting partner, Dennis McKay, and he has helped us with this song and brought it up to a new level. Here's Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree.
0: Roads of life Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today met Jesus at the foot of the cross, brokenhearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. At the foot of the cross, brokenhearted and lonesome, so long I'd been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.